This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for the show is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at CFO by Design, a firm focused on developing DMO excellence, and that means the numbers are just the beginning. As a full-service executive support firm, Julie Hart and her team provide the foundation and accountability needed to build strongly aligned DMOs and successful leaders. Don't take it just from me. Go to cfobydesigntx.com, click on Clients, and read a sample of the rave reviews for one of the few firms out there that absolutely lives up to the phrase, rock stars. That's CFO by Design. And now on to our show. Cheryl Kilday, CDME, is the president and CEO of Destination North Myrtle Beach, formerly known as the North Myrtle Beach Chamber of Commerce. Cheryl is an expert in destination marketing and management and has spent nearly her entire career working with membership-based organizations pursuing economic development. The North Myrtle Beach Chamber Foundation is also part of the work that Cheryl focuses on through community grants awarded to local non-for-profit organizations serving people in need. The NMB Chamber Foundation also provides a mechanism to work on big initiatives such as the Destination Master Plan and the Building North Myrtle Beach projects. Cheryl volunteers on the North Myrtle Beach Sea Turtle Patrol, has led community committees such as the North Myrtle Beach Reusable Campaign and the COVID Recovery Task Force for NMB, while also serving on regional recovery efforts. Prior to joining the team in North Myrtle Beach, Cheryl has worked in similar capacities at organizations in Oregon, Virginia, Washington State, and she has earned the prestigious credential of CDME and has led three of the organizations she has worked with to earn DMNAP certification, and in North Myrtle Beach, they earned the accreditation with distinction. Destination North Myrtle Beach also successfully maintained their five-star accreditation through the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Highlights of Cheryl's career includes serving on a board of directors responsible for creating legislation and actually getting it passed to create a public-private partnership to fund tourism marketing for the state of Washington. She was also a board member and engaged in establishing a national heritage area known as the Journey Through Hallowed Ground. Cheryl earned an Emmy Award for a series of historical videos in a time when using video and travel promotions was pretty cutting edge for DMOs. And today, Cheryl is excited to be working in North Myrtle Beach and concentrating on their destination master plan. Cheryl is a former board member of Destinations International, as well as a former trustee for the foundation, and she continues to serve on committees for Destinations International. Cheryl Kilday, welcome to DMOU. Thank you, Bill. It's great to be here. Great to kick off the year with you as well. Always fun to catch up with you wherever we can at whatever industry event it is. And, you know, the interesting thing is you lead one of a handful of chamber DMO combos in the country that really get it right. There are a bunch out there and many of them struggle mightily. Part of the reason, I think, from my vantage point, that Destination North Myrtle Beach is working so well is because the North Myrtle Beach economy is heavily dependent upon tourism. So the goals of both entities are aligned like very few communities have. But the other part, at least, again, from my point of view, is that you've taken the things that chambers do really well, and you've deftly combined them with what DMOs do really well. And an example of that is that your agency recently ran an old-fashioned chamber membership drive 
that DMOs could learn a boatload from. And it's one of the reasons that you earned an invitation to be on this mic, because you got to tell us, how did 55 of your members secure 138 new members in three hours? Wow, right? I mean... Yeah, wow. I saw that and went, oh, oh, oh. get the microphone open and ready. Here she comes. We it, it was truly an old-fashioned way of doing it. We didn't have a month-long campaign. We didn't have a contest where people won prizes. We recruited a group of business leaders to help us recruit people to serve on teams to open up their own networks and call on business people that they know and tell them why they must join the North Myrtle Beach Chamber known as Destination North Myrtle Beach. We worked with a company called Your Chamber Connections and they actually came in and worked with us to identify who we should invite to be that first group of leaders. They come in and train them. They tell them what they need to be looking for in recruiting that next layer of team members. Then we recruit those team members and then they come in and train all of them to help find their own teams. So that we have team captains and each team captain is supposed to recruit people that will open up their what would used to be called a Rolodex, but basically the same thing where <laughs> yeah. it's like, who am I going to call and, and ask? And so it's not realistic to say that it actually all happened in three hours because we did take a couple of months to get to that three hour point. And as far as training those business leaders and recruiting the right people and talking to them and getting them ready to come into that room. But they knew that by saying yes, that they had to come in and generate new members and that some of them would do one or two and some would be 10 or more. We had an accountant call her clients. She brought three pages of clients to phone and the ones that she connected with, she told them that they needed another business deduction and that they had a responsibility to support the local economy and that supporting the chamber and that destination North Myrtle Beach and all that we do it was important to them and that they needed to, to join. And 12 of them did in an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Just crazy. And I, I get that you had a training program, so they put in more than three hours. But when it came time for the rubber to hit the road, the commitment was three hours. And I think so many of us on our side of the equation, on the DMO side of the equation, that either still have a membership program or a partnership program, I think we do the traditional we're going to have a two-month campaign, and boy, that, if you're leaning on volunteers to make the ask, it's really easy to say, I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll do it next week, and then pretty soon it doesn't happen. But that three-hour thing is just brilliant. What was interesting to me was we have 55 business leaders who are still selling. Mm -hmm. They are telling everybody they know because we kept it simple. What are the three reasons what are the three things that we do? And if you can never come to a business after hours, if you can never come to awards, an awards program or an educational workshop, why should you still support your local chamber? And that was the message. And so they kept it really basic. We all did. But those 55 leaders are now on our committees. They're joining our business development committee and our public policy committees. They are going to be future board members and future board chairs. They are a pipeline of leadership for us. And so that 
opportunity for the advocacy work that they're doing every day and the pride that they feel for being part of that 138 number in three hours, it's overwhelming. I mean, we're planning things to do with them that we're going to we're going to do something this spring called a flashback. And we're not asking them to do anything else. We just want to continue to celebrate with them because that's all they need. They need that nudge to know that we recognize it, we celebrate it, and we continue to, to call them out for it. And they are people that when we call them and ask them to do something, they say yes, because they're proud to do it. And um, so it, we have to be careful not to overuse those 55 people and make sure that we continue to grow that core group. But it's amazing how that worked. And I'll tell you what, having 55 people in the business community telling our story was worth every moment that we invested in that. Yeah. We often forget that when someone, when a company, when a CEO pulls the trigger and joins a DMO, a chamber, or anything. And frankly, the research was done on churches. And you get a new recruit in a church, the research said, if you didn't get that person into an activity, a committee, uh, an event, connect with a mentor, the churn rate is 50% in six months. That 50% of, of new churchgoers will fade away if they aren't quickly assimilated into something. Right. And you've got, as, as you said in our pre-call, you've got 50, 75, 100 different programs that people can take advantage of and rarely do. How do you get the new recruits in fast so they begin to be just as excited as the 55 who got them in the door? It's something we work on every day and we have a team of people that help us do it. But we, you know, our employees, we make phone calls, we stop in, we say hello, we invite them to things. We have a drip campaign that we use to communicate with them. And we've had a really good open rate and engagement rate with that. We have a group of ambassadors. A lot of chambers of commerce use ambassadors. We have ambassadors that call on all of our new members um, in the first short period of time. And we have one ambassador. She's our ambassador of the year currently. She called on every brand new business last year, as well as every new member of our organization. And we call them partners because of our philosophy. We want to roll up our sleeves and work together and have that spirit of collaboration and service. But we are, you know, legally their members. So yeah, when right. we call on them and encourage them to get engaged, we have mixed results with that. But we stay true to those basic, if you're investing in us, we're here for that business climate. You may not need us today for a legislative policy, but you might next year. It's really just reminding them that we're here every day and that when they need us, they need to invest now so that we're still here. We're the only one working on North Myrtle Beach every day of the week. And when they think about that and they think about those basic things, that economic development, which includes tourism promotion and business retention and overall business environment, who else is looking out for them like we are? No one. And so, you know, when they're really looking at that, they need it. They need it when they need it. And you can't just say, okay, I'm going to join this year and not next year. So those become retention messages and really basic. And then the business after hours, the various educational workshops and that sort of thing become the cream. Like if I have time to send someone from my staff to do that, I will. If not, I'll get the cliff notes. There's the ability to 
access those kinds of programs, um, but not making them feel like that's why they joined. It's that investment is why they joined. And when we change that conversation from having access, promotion, and connections, that used to be our three. Now it's economic development, advocacy, and community resource. Because Mm -hmm. the programming is how we get them together to help each other by connecting networks. But it's really still about that basic being here and doing what we do day in and day out that makes cash registers ring, that makes policymakers answer our calls. You know, we talk about how the clout of our partnerships helps people in Columbia know that when we call, we're representing the business community. Next week, we have the executive director of our South Carolina Chamber of Commerce speaking at our annual luncheon for our chair's luncheon. It's our transition for our board members. And he's going to talk about how when Cheryl and Randy, so Randy's our senior director of advocacy and um, community relations, but when one of us calls and when one of us is there, they see the entire community behind us. And that really speaks volumes to the business community. Yeah. So for question number two, for me, I think one of the fascinating aspects of the pitch that these 55 community leaders utilized was not that joining the chamber is the right thing to do, which tends to be the pitch, right? Right. But that they were investing in chamber membership and thus investing in a bigger, better economy and not just a tourism economy. And I think that's the one side of a chamber DMO combo that works is that you, in a fairly tourism heavy economy, you still have the ability to communicate to those who are not or do not believe they are in the tourism economy and get them to understand and realize that we're really talking about the entire economy. What were some of the benefits that your 55 were communicating to say, this isn't just the right thing to do because you're a business in North Myrtle Beach, this is why. Yeah, we have a great community and people do understand the value of tourism here. However, they're looking forward, right? It's like, how do we make sure that we're investing in this organization, in our community, so that we can work forward? What do we need in our future? And making sure that we're building, not that we're, our community's growing. So make sure that we're growing, we're building our organization, we're building our impact on the community for tomorrow, not just for what we need today. And really getting business leaders to think forward about what that investment looks like. We've done some pretty good work here over many years, really, as they started in about 2011, working on some big initiatives that go beyond what our dues have been able to support. So we've got some clout locally where people understand that we're doing a lot more than our membership numbers might say that we're doing, but they really talked a lot about how it's something that you don't do one year. It's something you you do and you get in engaged and stay there in order to help build the future that we want for our community. We have a lot of growth right now and not everybody loves some of that and community alignment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Community alignment came out of some of those conversations too, about not just accepting the type of growth that's coming, but to help define what we want and how to pursue it. That that's part of the role of investing in our community and investing in our future so that we have that ability to say, 
this is what we need and let's help develop those public-private partnerships to get there instead of just taking what comes. Otherwise, we would likely become a retirement community. Yeah. Our median age is growing um, to be older, and we want to make sure that we, as we remain a tourism destination and very family-friendly, that we're also creating an environment that attracts a younger workforce. We're the ones at the planning commission meetings asking when they're talking about a new neighborhood, Where's the playground? You know, where are those family amenities that we want to make sure our workforce is being attracted and that they're not just a bunch of people that have grandkids coming a few times a, a year? So um, nobody else is asking those questions. And so that relevance of making sure that we're thinking about how to sustain and grow a vibrant economy through that chamber investment is a big part of what they talked about. Okay. So third question, I want to shift ever so slightly. When we discussed your appearance on DMOU, you talked a lot about, and you just said it just in the last question, about alignment, but you also said it was alignment with the heart and the culture of the community's residents. It's something that DMOs are obviously increasingly understanding the importance of, but not typically chambers. Again, it's your recipe for taking the best of both worlds to build a rock-solid organization. Tell us how your agency, and I think it sounds from your bio, it, it's probably the foundation arm. Tell us how your agency shows residents that you have a heart. Yeah, we've really worked on this area a lot. And pre-COVID, but I think we learned a lot during COVID. The residents here know that we're a tourism economy. And I think it's important to remember that that doesn't equal that they like tourism. So they like the tax benefits and they like various aspects of it, that we have more restaurants and retail and all that sort of thing, but they don't like waiting to get a table or that you have to park further away and, and those sorts of things. So just so that everybody who is listening to this understands, we have, the numbers might be a little bit dated right now, but like 22,000 households and less than 10,000 of those are permanent residents. Wow. So- Yep. On any given day, we're outnumbered by visitors. So a population of 20,000, our police department, our fire and rescue, our infrastructure is designed for 100 to 150,000. Mm -hmm. And our retail and our restaurants and entertainment reflects that too. Plus we have a beautiful beach. Okay. So nine miles of beaches in this great community. When COVID hit, our residents were freaking out because we were in a, in a state that remained open. And so people from other states started flocking here and moving into extended um, vacation rental type of opportunities. And they were freaking out that we were bringing, inviting the virus. And right. so yeah. we learned right away, really honestly, in the first week that we had to personify the business community, not just tourism, but business, that the person who they were saying should be closed could be their neighbor. And so we worked on an, an internal resident campaign right away to personify the business community because the comments they were making to um, elected officials was you're choosing our economic bottom line over lives. Yeah. Wow. We took that on in a positive way and we personified it. We've used our foundation to demonstrate that we have heart and we have also used our tourism promotion and our destination master plan to address sustainability and environmental issues in a positive way. So we have taken two of our core areas and used our family-friendly 
You know, we already have a stake in the ground that says we're family friendly. So we don't go out and try to be something we're not. We're not trying to attract the partiers. We're a quiet, family-oriented beach area. So we already have that stake in the ground. So it's not that hard to be bold and put other stakes in the ground. And so we've used that for our sustainability and that that's a continuation of having these community characteristics and values that we want and showing them that we share them and care about them. And then we also use our foundation. We do a, a, it's like a job fair. It's a volunteer fair. And we bring all of our foundations and charities together. And in our community center had, you know, almost 300 people in a small town like ours. That's a lot. 300 people come and go booth to booth and sign up to volunteer and learn how they could support the charities. We brought our charities together to talk about how they're working together and make sure that they are connected. And when you can talk about that with your residents, that we're helping the charities and the nonprofits, it goes beyond just that we're writing checks. We're actually doing things in the community. We do offer community grants to our nonprofits and we give funds away and we have fundraising activities. Um, we've had town hall meetings where we invite people and we do a lot of stuff that is not about membership, that it's just about the community. And that really resonates with them. And I would say even with the people who live here seasonally, which there are a lot, they consider themselves part-time residents. They don't see themselves as visitors. So hmm. we've adopted that approach with them as well and talk about our part-time residents. And so we don't talk about just about visitors in the sense of that under 30 days, we really talked about those part-time residents and they feel connected. So when we did our resident sentiment study a year ago as part of our destination master plan, we did it twice. We wanted to see if there was any seasonality impact and overwhelmingly they support tourism, but they cared about the things that I just talked about. What was really exciting for us, especially because we changed our name, they were familiar with us. They know who we were. And they, um, we have a good reputation and that really mattered, especially with the name change, because we weren't sure how they would have connected all the dots between our old name and our new name, but they really appreciate that we're working on alignment and that that's one of our goals. Interesting that changing the name to destination North Myrtle beach is more recognizable than the North Myrtle beach chamber of commerce. I haven't given this any thought until this moment, but you wonder, is it because chambers have not been traditionally very visible in their communities and today's newer generations who are coming into the workforce and into residency don't really know what a chamber of commerce does? I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird word, chamber. I mean, just like we had the problem with CVB back in the day. Yeah. You wonder if it's the name change really could be something that that positions us in a and we all hope that our name changes have done that. But in your case, it really works. And of course, you're walking the walk because you're on the sea turtle patrol, right? Yeah, literally <laughs> on the walk. Yes, that is so much fun. I love Sunday mornings during the sea turtle season where we're walking on the beach at sunrise, just before sunrise, you, we start about 10 minutes before sunrise and walk um, about three miles of the beach looking for sea turtles. And, and then later in the season, the hatchlings and, and whatnot, it's beautiful. It gets you out there. It's inspiring. You see people enjoying the sunrise on something that we take for granted. 
and we are picking up trash and um, cleaning up the beach as we go. And it really just feels great to be out there and to be connecting with the community as well as everybody enjoying the beaches. Oh, great. That is fabulous. Well, listen, congratulations on merging, as I said at the outset, the best parts of a chamber of commerce and the best parts of a DMO into a rock solid organization. It's going to be fun to watch as you work on your uh, destination master plan in the uh, years ahead, but it's time for your bonus round question. (laughs) We've had some pretty interesting backstories on how we've gotten into this crazy business and you credit your parents' love of travel. Now, mine traveled like banshees too, but the bug didn't bite me until later. What was it about your experience with your parents that drew you in? This is not a bash against Texas. My parents were both from Texas and they moved to the Pacific Northwest before I was born and fell in love with the scenic beauty there. But we always went back to Texas to see family. And we would always joke that we drove around Texas more than we drove getting from the Seattle area to Texas each year. But my parents were really great about stopping at scenic vistas and we would sit at lunch counters or, you know, and talk to the locals and go to little museums because we had this big road trip, you know, and, and they had five kids and two parents. And it's like, how do you keep everybody happy? So they taught us how to enjoy that road trip and that the journey was part of the fun. And sometimes, you know, when you're going to see family and I love my cousins and my grandparents and everything, but that journey with just the core family and getting to see those little places inspired me. And I didn't know it until much later in my life, but even when I was in high school and then in college, my parents, like when my dad retired, he got a four wheel drive and they lived up in the Olympic Peninsula, of Washington state. And they would take Mondays and just drive and they would like pick a road and just go. Oh, yeah. And so it was part of what we did. So I think I learned yeah. it that way, but I didn't appreciate it until I moved to Oregon. And I went to a college in a small um, university town, really. And my in-laws lived there. And so getting to know them before I married my husband and afterward, and we lived there for a while, you know, they had lived there for a long time. And I knew more about the community than they did because I, every time my parents came to visit me during school, we would go sightseeing. And so I learned all about the city where I was living because my parents came to visit me and more so than the people who'd lived there for, you know, 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was working at a hotel because it, how I helped pay my way through college. And I was a little frustrated that I had spent all this time and money on education to become a child advocate was my hope. And I had applied for some social work type jobs to get my foot in the door. By the time I got my first interview, let alone job offer, my first interview, I was making more money at the hotel. (laughs) And my husband was in graduate school. So I was having this, you know, oh, I can't believe this. So my advisor from college was literally her car had broken down and she was walking by the hotel and she's like, I think Cheryl works there. So she came in and we went in the bar and had a, had a beverage and we were talking about, you know, how was life after college and how was I doing? And I told her that, you know, here I'd gone to this private liberal arts school and spent all this money on, on education. And here I was working in the tourism industry and not really feeling connected to what I had done in college. And so she said, well, tell me about your day, your typical day. And so I started telling her what I was doing and she started pointing out, I should have told you, she was my advisor. 
she starts pointing out courses I had taken and how they were connecting the dots to what I had learned in school and what I was doing in my job. And I feel like she kind of gave me permission to love it and to connect those dots of how I had not gone to school for a tourism degree, but what I had done in, in school connected to what I was doing. And honestly, after that, I never looked back. I went from a hotel background to my first convention and visitors bureau back in the day when they called CVBs and haven't looked back. That is a great story. And you know, I don't know if she said it, but you went to school for social work. In a lot of cases, hospitality is social work. We're helping people. We're taking care of them. We're making sure that they're uh, needs are met and that they find their way and all that stuff. So in a way, I think that she's absolutely right. You were preparing for this, even though you didn't know. Right. It. I've got a double major in psychology and sociology. I use it every day. Every day. <laughs> That's yep. great. Hey, Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for all you have done over the years for the sector, for your communities that you've worked, uh, especially the work in uh, Destinations International. Uh, We appreciate you more than you know. Well, thank you, Bill. It's been a pleasure, and I love your program, so thank you. Hey, thanks a bunch. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. And be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to DMOU so that you are notified the instant that new episodes drop. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at CFO by Design, a firm focused on developing DMO excellence, and that means... It's just not about the numbers. Numbers are only the beginning. As a full-service executive support firm, Julie Hart and her team provide the foundation and accountability needed to build strongly aligned DMOs and successful leaders. Check them out at cfobydesigntx.com. That's CFO by Design. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find more on our services to the DMO world, plus links to past editions of the Z News, our blog, our homepage, position papers, the book Destination Leadership, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus, of course, links to earlier episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.